Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Coming up in this edition of the TV Black Box, is My Kitchen Rules making a comeback? Ellen calls it quits. And what did we all think of that Craig McLaughlin interview? Welcome to the podcast where people in the TV industry get their news. TV Black Box is about to start. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. This is TV Black Box, bringing you the inside goss from the TV industry. Hello there and welcome to TV Black Box. Joining us this week is Mulk. Hello, Mulky. I bumped to number one on the call sheet, Rob. Who would have thunk it? Uh, Yeah, we'll have to change that next week. Uh, Rod Morris, who joins us every week and appears on many shows or works on many shows, anything involving gadgetry and computers. Hello, Rod. Hello, Rob. Hello, everybody. Um... Yeah, in studio next week for another one. So looking forward to that. One for the ABC. Ah, can't wait to hear about that when it uh, becomes public. And Sarah Monaghan joins us all the way from Texas. Hello, Sarah. Hello. Hopefully my last week in Texas for several months. (laughs) (laughs) And Aaron Ryan is missing in action. It's something like 4.30 over there in Perth at the moment. And we think... He slept through his alarm, so he may join us at any moment. He'll get that panic feeling when he uh, wakes up, I think. (laughs) That'll be fun. Anyway, there is plenty to talk about in this edition of TV Black Box, so let's get into it. And after a false start earlier this month, Nine has now confirmed a new Tuesday premiere date for Quiz Show, The Weakest Link with Magda Spansky. The show will air at 9pm. That's led many to wonder whether Nine has lost faith in the program, while others say networks are shooting themselves in the foot by not airing must-see content in the slot, choosing only to focus on the 7.30 reality tempos. Channel 10 is finding success with Have You Been Paying Attention and Gogglebox in that later slot. Malk, do you reckon Nine is trying to boost their 9pm offerings or is this show being buried? I'm not sure where else they could put it. Um, Honestly, with Celebrity Apprentice running Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, uh, and at least for the next couple of weeks, Travel Guides in Wednesday in that sort of 7, 7.30 slot, and the back half is spoiled by sport, um, where do you put it? So it kind of has to slide into that 9 o'clock slot, or you um, cut down, move, shake something else. It also, and I'm, I'm confident it's not this, but it smacks a little bit that they don't trust it. Well, this is my questioning. Do you think it was always meant for a 9pm slot or are they seeing the show and going, mm, we're just not sure? I'm not I'm not convinced. You know, the, the weakest link was at 7.30 when it aired previously. Um, quiz show formats tend to work well when they're done well. Um, I, we, we, could, we could only suppose, right, as to why they yeah. might want to put it back there. Do they trust Magda? Do they trust the show? And by Magda, I mean Magda's 
public profile, given what's going on. Oh, right. Yeah, 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 of course. Um, but even just from a TV experience, what I've seen, and only in promos, I haven't seen an episode, mm. I'm not convinced by the characterization of Magda in this show. Rod, I do think 9pm is a forgotten slot by the networks. 10 is the only one I can really see doing something in the slot. Is The Weakest Link something that could start bolstering 9's 9pm offerings? Oh, look, it, it might, but I can't imagine they bought that for 9 o'clock. You, you, you wouldn't put a show like that and talent like Magda, you wouldn't have bought that as a 9 o'clock thing, not at all. I reckon they've started making it and gone, oh, shit, yeah, I've got to say, I reckon they're bearing it. And uh, Aaron and I agreed a couple of weeks ago, totally miscast, should have put Gretel Colleen in the role. She would have been perfect. It's just not. Yeah. It's just not Magda's brand playing that character. And yes, I know it's an acting role, or traditionally it has been. I think it would have been better getting someone that's a presenter, not an actress, in there, for sure. I think they're burying it. Could they be making it more adult-ish, and so they need a later time slot? Oh, you can you can do a lot more at seven o'clock or well, seven thirty now than you could say ten years ago. Like, what 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 are the restrictions now for MA or whatever? I don't don't even know what they are. Oh, look. Your 7.30 slot is much more freer. What do they want to do unless they want to start dropping F-bombs? Yeah, exactly. There is really, from a content perspective, no need why it would need to air later. Mm. Um, no, I don't think that would be the reason, Sarah. Uh, look, I would love it if Nine are looking to do more with that 9pm slot. I still think any network would be smart enough to have a stripped format, you know, yeah. whether it's... Um, you know, a show in that vein of the panel or even what we're doing with the Andrew and Robbo show, you know, a, a nine o'clock strip show that gives you a bit of news and interviews, uh, you know, essentially a Tonight Live with Steve Weizard would be perfect mm. in a 9pm slot. Except an original show, not a knockoff of Letterman. Yeah, well, <laughs> yes, but we didn't know that at the time. That was before the internet. But um, the, the point being that I don't think the networks have faith in drawing audiences and finding the talent. And I think that's I think that's really a lack of faith is not fair on the industry as a whole because I think there are plenty of people who could make that slot work. I know they didn't have success with the verdict, but there were a lot of problems with the verdict, including not having control of the flow of conversation and not having a producer telling talent to shut up when they were going too far. You know, earpieces would have made a huge difference to that show, but that's a whole other issue. I'll I'll get on the bandwagon on this one. The, they, the networks have made their own bed with everything after 8.30 because yep. for a while now they have cast it to the wind. The fact that reality continues to run far over time when we expect it to be either an 8.30 or a 9 o'clock finish. And I think that the the audience is used to an hour and a half ep here and there or on these nights it's an hour and a half. Uh, but it's not yeah. consistent. It's still too hodgepodge and we'll finish at 8.37 or 9.05, 9.05 or something. Uh, and that pushes the audience away anyway. Plus, because the audience is then pushed away, there's no opportunity. Like a show like The Weakest Link has no ability to embed advertisers or engage in that sort of situation. I couldn't agree more. And the other thing is they're making those reality shows go longer because they've got no content after 9 o'clock. Oh, it's it's that chicken and egg scenario that spins wildly around what happens with programming. And we're already seeing it even with the tentpole reality shows that audiences are fine to watch them, but they'll watch them on catch-up. You know, they'll watch them when they want to watch them. Yes, and Rod, I come back to it, 10 are having success 
more success, in fact, with their later shows, Gogglebox and Have You Been Paying Attention, are the two standout performers for 10 in that later slot. Well, I think it's great that that, 10's discovering that Nine o'clock or past seven thirty, there, there is there's there's an audience. Uh, uh, all I kept thinking about with this is a couple of years ago at the Spa Conference, the Screen Producers Association Conference. I was chatting to a couple of the network execs, and we were talking about how they're losing out to the streaming service. I said to two of them, I said, "Well, what do you guys and your family do after of an evening? Oh, we watch the news and we flick over to Netflix." They admitted themselves, so I think they've just written it off in their own heads. But if ten if ten, if ten's introducing to them that hey, look, you know, there really can be an audience after 8 30 9 o'clock after your 10 pole realities let's hope it's opening their eyes and we'll start getting some decent content at 9 9 30 absolutely and, and the difficulty for all of the networks now is that both gogglebox and have you been paying attention which are doing good business for 10 no question uh, have you been paying attention was uh the highest rating show on monday last week um mm. at, at you know nine o'clock or whenever it came out after masterchef um these are now legacy brands these have been going for six, seven, eight years uh, yeah. more for Gogglebox. Uh, and to try and launch something new into that later 8, 30, 9 o'clock time slot, you really have to back it. And by back it, I mean at least give it a full season. Okay, after a plummet in ratings and a disgraced host, we thought My Kitchen Rules was dead and buried. However, according to an industry source, Seven West Media are talking to production companies about possibly bringing it back. The source clarified to the Sydney Morning Herald that these discussions are only in the early stages and there is no guarantee. (laughs) Oh, wow. Rod, I said last year that you might as well write the eulogy and prepare the coffin, but could my kitchen rules really be making a comeback? Oh, God, I hope not. Uh, I can't stomach cooking shows, pun intended. Uh, look, uh, uh, personally, I cannot stand watching any of them. So to bring this back, oh, for fuck's sake, you know. No. Uh, I'd, Tell I'd, us what you really Please, think, do, do something original. Don't bring back a dead cooking show. God. Anyway, good luck to them. You know, it'd be interesting to see how they cast it if they do go ahead with it. But, oh, no. Couldn't give a rat to it if it comes back. But, Malk, is this Seven going out to market saying, bring back my kitchen rules, or is this production company saying, Seven, bring back my kitchen rules? Oh, mate, column A, column B stuff, honestly. Um, Seven need a win. They need a big show again. Uh, And my kitchen rules certainly delivered. If it was to come back, it would be a bigger comeback than Lazarus. There's no question. Uh, And what would it look like? Would it be my kitchen rules in name only? Um, mm. to bring the format back, do you bring back the same format that we've had for years and years and years? My only guess is that, you know, somebody's tripped over Manu in the halls at seven and gone, hang on, we're still paying you, aren't we? Uh, and <laughs> have gone, well, we need to do something here. Uh, what about some kind of cooking show? Um, who would you pair him with? Would the audience buy Manu paired with anybody but not Manu? Um, what, is it, what does it look like? for the audience because does the brand now stink because of its association with its former host? Um, Who knows? Certainly the last time it rolled out, it was underwhelming and it's a big, like it's a big money reality format to have it turn up as it did for the final season last year and do 450, 500,000 would be real trouble. Seven cannot afford to pour big money. No one can, but seven especially to pour big money into a format and have it not work. I will say Manu with Gary and Matt actually worked on Plate of Origin. It was just a stinker 
of a show. You know, the format wasn't mm. right. Um, so, and I can't help think of the acronym POO when we talk play oh, Origin and Stinker. So there was, there <laughs> <Yeah>. was some. <laughs> I can't believe they stuck but, with it after it got pointed out to them. Oh, my goodness. I had questions on Twitter this week because they were talking about um, one of the ministers was saying that they needed to open up visas to farmers and chefs because apparently nobody in Australia wanted to be a chef anymore. And I'm like, since when? Because my first paying job in Australia was in kitchens and I've worked pretty much my entire not, you know, acting career in kitchens. And There's 24 and pe- people coming off MasterChef that need jobs. Mm. Well, no, and so and everyone's like, well, since, like, they've closed down TAFE and nobody wants to be a chef anymore. And I'm like, then why the fuck do we have 80 cooking shows? Like, it seems like everybody <laughs> wants to be a chef because everybody is obsessed with the cooking shows. So I think there's a disconnect somewhere. So maybe mm. the networks are just, you know, putting the rumor out there and seeing if they get a response, like people yay or nay, and then they'll decide from there. Oh, for sure they're fishing. For sure they're fishing. And, and look, there's no doubt that Seven need a big format to start the year. Their Q1 is still problematic. <laughs> That's been They're generous. picking up now in Q2, but Q1 is a problem. Yeah. So let's see what they do. Hey, he's woken up. It's uh, it's a little bit later in Perth. Hello, Aaron Ryan. Welcome to the TV Black Box podcast. Yes, good morning, gorgeous people. I chucked a Sarah light the other day, knew exactly what time it was, and then just somehow half an hour later, I just thought it was half an hour later. I don't know why. <laughs> well, it is okay. Yesterday I said to my wife, oh, I'm recording TV Black Box at 8 o'clock, and she was right, yeah, good, good, good. And then I was just going through my messages and went, hang on, I've organised it for 6.30 in the morning. What the hell am I talking about? Goosh. So it does happen. All right. Well, welcome aboard, sir. Let's get into our next story, because after Ellen wraps up the 19th season of the Ellen DeGeneres show next year, there will be no more. She cited her reasoning as wanting to be challenged creatively and that since season 16, this was the plan. However, it, of course, comes after a tumultuous year for Ellen and the show after allegations of a toxic workplace saw three senior staff members sacked. Aaron, she lost over 50% of her viewers since all of the controversy last year. <laughs> I mean, she went on the Today Show and said, uh, I think this was uh, toxic masculinity. You know, they're coming after me. Yet it was male producers who got fired because of their workplace things. I, I think she's looking for excuses of anyone but herself. She destroyed her own brand here, didn't she? Ah, uh, look... I'm a big Alan fan, and I I don't I don't think I'll be talked into anything about her being involved in a toxic environment and stuff. Look, I I don't think she ended the show primarily because of the headlines. If she had of, she wouldn't have come back this year for another season. Or Plan B would have been just to end it at the end of this season. She's doing another full year, which doesn't really make sense that she would have to go for another full year just to end these headlines. Now, disclaimer, I never believed for a second Michael Jackson was uh, was fiddling with children either. I just, I don't know. <gasps> I just have this thing. We can't be friends anymore. Yeah. I don't know. It's, <laughs> wow. But um, I, I think primarily the toxic environment was about management, um, not Alan. Um, we've seen a lot of businesses where the CEO or the big manager are actually fairly decent people, but it's the assistant managers or the heads of department that create the toxic environment. Um, 90% of what came out was about the 
was about like the middle management or the people underneath Ellen and stuff like that. And then once it started coming out, some people started just throwing things that are like, you know, you can't look Ellen in the eye because she does this and does that. And these people are, are people that have been sacked earlier and are, and are on Sunrise talking about how bad Ellen is and trying to get their five minutes worth of fame. I just don't believe most of it. I think Ellen's a fairly decent person and she's like all of us that she... She, you know, could, could be a kind person and she's a, a lovely person, but she has days where she comes in and she's annoyed and she's angry. Um, so, <laughs> but yeah, I, anyway, the, the answer is I don't think that the show ended, is, is ending because of the headlines. I mean, that, that doesn't make sense to, to do another full gear um, and at, at this point. Sarah, I think it makes perfect sense. The simple fact is that... Um, it must be wearing her down. She's had this nice brand, whatever she's like behind the scenes. She's had this nice brand. It's gone against. The ratings have gone down. She's not going out on a high. Maybe she's hoping another year just settles everything down. It fits the narrative. I'm going out on my own terms. And look, she's still rating really well compared to the other talk shows. So I I don't doubt this is her decision. Like the fact is she's still generating money. It's just not as much money as it used to be. And so I think that, you know, she's had 18 seasons on millions of dollars. She's probably at the point where it's like, stuff it, I'm going to go and live in the Bahamas and live a good life. My thing with Ellen, right, is nobody's good 100% of the time and nobody's an asshole 100% of the time. Like everybody thinks you have to be black and white and everyone has good days, everyone has bad days. Maybe she started off great, maybe she got bored. But then, like, there's reports where people are bitching about her and then they're, like, they're saying it was her fault that it was a toxic workplace. But then they're also saying, well, she wasn't actually involved in any of the day-to-day stuff because she was just up the top and then everybody else underneath her was in charge of all the things. So I'm torn on whether she was a bad boss or not because, you know, maybe she just thought things, like she had four people, then she was like, you're in charge of this, you're in charge of this, and she let them go, and they were dickheads to everybody, and then it makes her look bad because she's ultimately the headline name. But, yeah, I mean, if you're, if you're going out, you can either leave on a sour note and always have it be, you know, she left because, you know, she turned into a dick, or... You can say, my contract's still for another year. Let me fill out the year. Hopefully it picks up and I do get to go out on my own terms and maybe the ratings pick up a little bit and it's better. And then I can run off to my animal farm somewhere. She gets to do the same as Oprah, right, where the final season was all giveaways and how great am I and, you know, generous, 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 which Ellen has been known to do on her show, and that's phenomenal. So, you know, I think there's a lot of people that are probably going to – score pretty well out of Ellen's final season. Um, And it will leave... She'll probably try and get Prince Harry on there. Sure. Hmm. Get all of the people. Um, You get a Prince Harry, you get a Prince Harry. Um, The the benefit is really that it also then leaves a really pleasant taste in the mouth for a whole bunch of people. The difficulty for Ellen was that as soon as these, you know, stuff, uh, stories started to surface, everyone in Hollywood had an Ellen story. And not just Mm. some people, everyone. Um, yeah. Some of them were great. Not many of them were great. Um, and and while it's but that's with everyone now. No matter who you are, when somebody starts something, there's like this incredible pylon on. Especially now with social media, it's like if somebody said something shitty about me, I'm sure there'd be you know 800 yeah. other people who uh, all decided to pile on. Now it's that's a, just what people do. It's a tumble. It's a tumbleweed or a snowball. And I'm going to say, sorry, Mark. I'm going to say I. I, I 
put Ellen on here every day to keep me company quite often, and I just think she's over it. Like tw- twenty year, it. twenty years of doing it, mm. the energy is not there now. I know, yes, mm. COVID's robbed her of a studio audience that she used to play off a lot. No, but, but even just before in her that, eye, oh, she, she just looks dead in the eyes every yeah. every show. It's like, oh, I'm doing it again, and you know the same gags. I reckon she's just tired of it. I think the big issue is for Warner Brothers. What do they replace her with? Or you know mm. who who they're selling to? They're going, well, shit. What 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 fills the void after her? And that's that's why they, I reckon they've convinced her to do it another year while they work Buy out what they're going to replace it with. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think yeah. they're auditioning the wind up monkeys with the clapping symbols to find out which one they're <laughs> going to put in for now. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I, I got to say, Aaron brought up the producer on Sunrise. Let's have a listen to that audio because there's something I do want to pick up. The uh, viewers have spoken. Her ratings have been in the toilet for a long, long time now. Her show has not been fun. It has not been interesting. And uh, she's not really, by the way, stepping down. The viewers fired her. This producer has complained for years that Ellen didn't like her ideas and, um, you know, wouldn't wouldn't accept her ideas and said no to a lot of things. Well, you know what? Tough titties. You know, like, that's what happens in a production office. If you can't come up with good ideas, the people around don't have to accept them. That is not her being an arsehole. This is where I'm actually going to defend Ellen. That is her wanting the best for her show. Ellen was the top-rated show because she didn't accept mediocrity. She wanted big ideas, good ideas, and there's possibly a reason that producer only lasted for a year. So, sorry, you just sound like a shit producer. Agree. Yeah, but everybody wants an award now. Mm. Everybody's like, look at me, I'm fabulous, tell me I'm great. Yeah, a participation certificate. <laughs> hey, yeah. said that, it was a fabulous interview and made great TV. <laughs> all right, Sarah, you're fabulous and you're great. Aw, thanks, love. We're all fabulous and great. We all deserve participation certificates. Hey, hey look, out of four of you, three of you are great. <laughs> Spoken like the a true executive child. producer. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on and take a look at the ratings for week 20. It was another tussle between nine and seven in total people, with Team Red coming out on top with a 30% share in the five cap cities. The nine network had 27.2, followed by 10 on 19.1, the ABC on 15.5, and SBS on 8.3. Those rankings were repeated in primary channel shares, and seven took out. Out their core demo of 25 to 54s. Lego Masters continued its stellar run and Have You Been Paying Attention on 10 showed viewers, as we've talked about, will stick with free-to-air TV if there's actually something worth watching. It was one of the biggest entertainment shows of the week with 750,000 viewers only beaten by Lego Masters. Mulk, any surprises last week? Oh, you'd have to say the biggest surprise was Have You Been Paying Attention's performance. Like, we were glad it was back. I'm glad it's back. Um, it's great to have it with an audience and all of the panellists in the room. Uh, yep. For it to be the highest rating entertainment show on Monday night, for it to perform so well for 10 is amazing surprise, like a really pleasant surprise. Um, and what a kick in the guts for the rest of them. Well, yeah, yeah hello, that's exactly right. It, <laughs> for it to beat... Everything yeah. at seven thirty, even Lego yeah. Masters, which has been winning, you know that the seven thirty time slot, mind you, it beat it just like the mm. slimmest, hairiest snifter, but it still beat it. Right, that's what we get to run that through. Total people continues to be the biggest number around, which is why we talk about it. Um, 
independent of it being the demos, and I know that the the networks sell to demos, the real challenge has to be how, and and this is why they want to hold off on the ratings to talk about it a week later so that hopefully the plus sevens land into it. Um, How we get the bigger stories out of the bigger numbers, look, ratings are just declining. Free-to-air networks are sliding because the audience is shrinking because there is so much to offer. And I know there's a whole bunch of other reasons why we're going to talk about that later in, in the show um, that just sort of add to the the problem of how this plays out. That said, it's been a huge week, a great win for Seven. The real wrestle still continues to be at 6 o'clock. Seven versus nine in the news product around the country is an amazing battle. It really is. Um, and, and news is holding up, nine and seven, doing amazing business. If... 10 News uh, did some business and gave a better lead into the project. That would be very helpful for 10. Um, but MasterChef, which isn't rating that well, uh, really down on last year, um, but it still lifted 10 share. But things like Have You Been Paying Attention and Before That Gogglebox are really helping their overnight shares. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and uh, you know, it, it's when, it, when it's all you have, it has to help. Um, yeah. the, the, the difficulty is that when you're coming off such a low base to have that kind of improvement, it's phenomenal. We just, look, honestly, we just want all of them to be doing better. And I think that the yeah. only way that they're going to do better is to find other ways to draw people in. Now we know that they won't let go as in the free to air commercial networks won't let go of their stripped reality at 7.30. That's become too big a cash cow for them, both ratings-wise and, you know, advertising partnerships embedded in the show to, to let it go. Who would, who would give away that money? Not me. Um, so how do they do it? What do they do? And it, it harks back to our conversation about, uh, you know, that, that later time slot, what can they – will the weakest link help nine? We hope so. Have you been paying attention? Is helping 10 right now? That's great. There's still only one night a week shows. And please do not misunderstand me. I'm not saying let's run weakest link or have you been paying attention four or five nights a week. Like mm-hmm. find other programming and and – to be fair, Australian drama used to kill at 8.30. Mm. But it doesn't anymore. Those days are long gone because we've we've pushed the audience away. Actually, just, just on that, the, the whole thing about strips uh, reality shows, um, I don't know if it's still the case, but a few years ago, Australia was pretty well the only market that it's somehow evolved to that. Like all the networks running strip reality shows at 7.30 and, and that was it. That's still uh, actually, Sarah. I haven't paid much attention to the programming in the states is, uh, of late. What, what's the programming like over there? You, you don't have back-to-back strip shows on the major networks, do you? I don't really watch cable TV or even local TV. I just I literally watch whatever I can stream. Yeah. And if I want to watch the news, I'll go to free to air, and that's about it. Yeah, they tend to strip them in nights. So rather than across the nights, you tune mm. in for Thursday night and it's um, NCIS night and you'll get the yeah. three franchises back to back. So mm-hmm. because there's now lots of spin-off shows and series connected like that or production houses almost, you'll get all of their shows on one night. Mm. Um, ah, they've got their vertical flow. Yeah. So right. so it, it, it's almost a case of, well, if this falls apart, we can just ditch that whole production house and find a new one to give us two <laughs> to three hours worth of content. They do the same thing with movies too. If there's like a three series, they'll play all three in a row and then go start at number one again and do the three. And they'll have like a 24-hour period where they'll just play like a trilogy of movies. Mm. In that regard, I'm going to be really interested to see how uh, Bohemian Rhapsody goes tonight at uh, – 
what are they playing? Seven thirty. They're playing a movie. Yes. In at seven thirty here in Australia, oh, wow. it's like oh, hasn't happened for years. Hey, the only thing I wanted to um, mention, because Rob was talking about the news battle, I mean, you know how they talk about, you know, obviously total people versus, versus demos, or they talk about um, peak audience or national audience. Don't you love Nine, though, with this this thing that they've had, especially the last couple of years? It's called East Coast Ratings. You know, let, let's just take out Adelaide and Perth. and then. Why we... is that a problem? Well, I mean, what measurement are you going to use? Let, let's just... Um, let's just... Put out the rate. Well, I, I'll tell you why that's important because the majority of advertising is based on the East Coast. And look, I am someone who's used East Coast figures in the past, so this is why I'm jumping in here. But the simple fact is the majority of advertising is based on East Coast spending. You've got to accept the fact Seven is so dominant in Perth that it, it you know, like it, it counterbalances anything else. The majority and by of the showing population. an East Coast win, you actually get to show that look at the East Coast and how well we're performing. Yes, we all know Seven owns Perth. It's a it's a one channel town, basically. And there is validity in East Coast figures, and Seven have used East Coast figures as well. Well, and I'm going to be the asshole and say it. When tourists or Americans ask me about going to Australia and they're like, should I go to Perth? I'm like, look, you've got everything on one side of the country and a little bit in the south, and then you've got one city over there. Are you going to fly six hours for the one city? No. <laughs> Depends if you want to see the pockets. Sorry, right? Perth. It just seems like such spin, though. Like, you just want to pull out figures that suit yourself. Because, I mean, like, Hot Seat obviously doesn't rate very well at all in Adelaide or, or Perth either. I think it's I think it's on at 3 o'clock in the afternoon in Perth. So we'll, we'll just use East East Coast figures because that's what works for us. Or, you know, we didn't win the, the, the night nationally in total people, but, but we did in combined Sorry, in Metro, but we did in combined. So let's put out a combined figure. It's just like whatever. And, and then but if of you, course. If you, Mate, if, let, let, let's go back to Sunrise, and, and I give them full credit for this. Today's show won the year. So what did Seven do? They changed, they moved the goalposts. They said, hang on, you can't base it on five-cap city metros, even though we've done that for the last billion years. We're going to base it on national figures where we won the year. And they were going to court over that. And nine folded. The simple fact is everyone spins. It's up to people like us to determine what we will accept from their spin and what we will call out. And I will yeah. genuinely say I don't think there's a problem, Mulk, with East Coast figures. No, and, and it's look, as long as I've been reporting on ratings, which I think is I'm in my first year, um, <laughs> East Coast has been a, a, a metric that they've measured, that they've called on, because it is the largest slice of the television population. You know, Sydney, Brisbane and Melbourne, when we talk about five capital city metros, are more than uh, 70% of the TV viewing public in Australia. That's why the advertisers are interested. That's why they want to know about it. That's why they split it up like that. Of course, it makes it look like they're going, well, we won't worry about Adelaide and Perth because we kind of know how that's going to land. And to be frank, that's kind of how it's landed. You know, we know that Perth and, and Adelaide have largely been seven towns, though there's lots more competition in Adelaide. Perth will be the toughest nut in the world to crack. Um, but to hold that stuff together, it's it's an opportunity for the PR Jedis to do their job. They have to spin. It is pointless putting out a press release and saying, we came second. Woo! You know, it's got to be, here's where we were number one. Here's the reasons that, that you want to talk to us. Here's the story behind why we're the best network that you want to deal with. If we flick through, and this is just the demos uh, in Five City Metro, in the, 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 the demos last week, Two different networks won the four different ne- won the four different demos. Like, 
That's <laughs> everybody Everyone's gets a to winner. win in that regard. And Everyone's a winner. Actually, I'll take it back. Three different networks won because 10 won 25 to 54s with Have You Been Paying Attention. Um, Big Brother won 16 to 39s. Lego Masters won Shopper with Child. And Total Paper was seven news. They were the number one programs in each of those breakups. Let's talk about demos because TV networks have been focusing on demos for years, but most media, including ourselves, still report on total people. Now TV Blackbox is asking the question on whether we should change our reporting methods and ignore total people. But would such a change actually hurt the TV industry when the figures reported are much smaller than total people? Aaron, demos or total people? Look, my uh, opinion is honestly don't give a rat's what management what measurement is used, um, which ones the networks tout or which ones are reported. But my issue is about consistency. I mean, here at TV Black Box, Malkin, and, and, and obviously a lot of other websites use total people um, in the headlines by saying Lego Masters beats MasterChef and Big Brother is in third spot. Absolutely true. But this might, it might be despite Big Brother being number one in the demos, Lego being second and MasterChef being an absolute distant third. So the total banner um, people banner is being flown around. However, as mentioned um, a week ago on the show, something like Dancing with the Stars does fairly well up against the might of Matt. But it's it's an absolute disaster because only people that are sixty plus are using it. And then we talk about you know like East Coast ratings and stuff because it's advertising dollars. Well, if we're going to be websites that are talking about advertising dollars, well then let's use commercial shares. Then I mean, what the ABC gets with hard quiz really doesn't matter when we're talking about specifically about advertising. Um, I, no, I, I I do think we're, no, the, we're talking about different things here because I think from a reporting point, from what we do, we do focus on all channels. So we, you know, we get figures that excludes the ABC, but we always make an effort to include the ABC and SBS because we report on free to air television. We're not just focused on the advertising market. But what I would ask Rod is, as a television person and a consumer. Are you going to want to see a Big Brother number one with 272,000 viewers? Is that going to do anyone any favours? No, not at all. No. Um, But to the demos or or total numbers, to me, I've always thought total numbers matter. People over 60 matter as much as as teenagers or 20-year-olds. I know the networks always wanted to skew younger and deny that say for seven and nine in particular that you know a lot of their audience is old old people go to bed at six o'clock rod mm. yeah they still <laughs> spend money they still got a lot of disposable cash for from sure. the advertising point of view but uh yeah by the way what do we regard as old these days well the networks go for 25 to 54 so anyone over 54 okay well i'm old then and i must admit <laughs> I, i'm rarely asleep before 11 so but maybe i'm weird but if they're basing that on who spends money, it's little kids in the supermarket or the, the mall who are screaming at their mum, I want this, I want this, because they bought it. And so to me, they're definitely a shopper. So, Well, Nine I do with... put out figures for shoppers and people like that. But, Mulk, would you ever be convinced in your daily ratings report to ignore total people and go with the demo figures? It, it would be to the detriment of the industry. We have yeah. been reporting on total people for so long that to make a gear change would be – it'd be seismic to start reporting on demos only and not total people. I mean, Rod's right. 
Total People includes a whole bunch, a, a whole segment of the market that isn't reflected in the demos, um, but they're not the only people involved in it. Um, it it's <sighs> advertisers want to know because advertisers want to know. Right, they want to know Understand. who's watching and how that fits, and that's all the demos do. That is all the demos do. It allows the 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 salespeople within the networks to promote show A or show B to advertisers to say you want to put your money with us because look at what we're getting you. The real challenge is in Australia there is only twenty six million of us, give or take, and when your number one program last week, Five City Metro pulled one point oh two seven million people. Now, I know that's against all of its competition. So roughly speaking, you could say 6 o'clock on Sunday night, there was probably conservatively 4 to 5 million people watching some form of free-to-air television. That's still not a huge slice of that market. If you take it, if you take it outside of television and you put it into something else, like everybody wants to super niche stuff down now like so that they can win awards. So it's like, you know, I had the best meat pie in Australia would be total numbers. Whereas I had the best gluten-free vegan pie that didn't have, you know, <laughs> onion in it. And then that, and that won this award. And it's like, but how many people ate it? Yeah. Oh, four? Okay, well, you know, but 300,000 ate the regular meat pie. Yeah. But, you know, that way you win. And that's a very, like, I see it here in the States all the time. It's like, oh, you know, we won this award for this. And I'm like, but your, your category is meaningless because you've niched it down so much that it's like, you know, three people stayed at your hotel. But, yeah, you're the coolest hotel in this tiny town that has ghost tours or whatever, you know. And it's like, it's just ridiculous. Like, tell me, you know, did people enjoy it or not, you oh, know? I've always thought demos are just there purely for the PR department to spin whatever the hell they wanted to. to but the here's the thing. Yeah. The networks are saying this is what we want to be judged by. Nine and seven, 25 to 54, channel 10 under 50s. And Until they don't win and then they change that benchmark to something else. Yeah. Well, that's that's right. And as soon as they get a total people number, they will certainly tout that total people number if they get over a million viewers for maths or whatever else. But I have had PR people coming to me and saying, it's demos, demos, demos. So I ask if the network are so insistent that they're only about the demos and could not give two flying hoots about total people, don't we, as people reporting on the industry, need to follow their lead? And I've got to say, to me, that we should be reporting two sets of numbers. Yeah, porque no los dos. That, 25 to 54 for 9 and 7 and under 50s for 10. And if they're not number one in those benchmarks, then they haven't done well. well. Straight away, we've got a problem, Rob. You can't compare apples to oranges. 25 to 54s and under 50s are not the same demo. And Oztamp don't give us under 50s. So, But 10 put out their rating 10 are fudging the numbers somehow, however they're making it do. Right? Oztamp are the official measuring, and they give us 25 to 54, 16 to 39, uh, and grocery shopper or child. That's what they give us, agreed by 7, 9, and 10 and Foxtel. So if 10 want to get under 50s, they need to petition Oztam to be putting out under 50s. That's going to help us a lot because it's magic numbers from 10 full stop as a get-go. As far as 7 and 9 saying, well, we want to be judged by our, our demos and what we're doing, if they each take a demo, everybody wins. Everybody wins. But they don't. They don't because what I'm saying, 16 to 39, out. Grocery buyers, out. Out. Under 16s, whatever it is, out. 
Nine and seven want to be judged on 25 to 54. Oh, they also 10 want 16 wants to, to be judged on under 50s. Let's start judging them on those performances. I, but, Rob, what they say privately, though, to us and, and to other media and what they actually do is two different things. I've had the conversation, too, with a couple of the networks. They say, honestly, we don't care at all 100% about total people. No advertiser has ever picked up the phone and rang us and said, can we get a spot, you know, that's high? And total people. It literally never happens. It's you guys that want to report that. But then when they put out the reporting things, they're happy to say we won the night network. We won that. We won multis. You know, Channel Seven. They say you know we're seven mates, number one multi. We won breakfast. We won this. We won that. They've never put out a report that says nine news or seven news. One at slot eighteen to forty nine with two hundred and sixty four thousand viewers. We've never. But I'm never- saying I understand that. But that information is there. And what I'm saying is, if that's what they want to be judged on, maybe we report those figures and ignore their press releases about total people. This is my question. Question. This isn't a hardline statement from me. I'm saying maybe we do judge them by their by what they want. And in our ratings reports, we say the number one show last night was Lego Masters on three hundred and seventy-five thousand, or whatever it might be in that demo. I'm making that number up. Um, America does it. They report uh, the the demos before the total people. I'm just saying rather than the big headline about 1 million viewers for maths or Lego Masters or whatever it might be, that we report those demo figures. And I'm not trying to be an arsehole or a smart mm, ass when no, I, I say this. I, I, I'm genuinely trying to get my head around the fact of what the networks are wanting and how we move forward in this changing environment. But, but how do you work with that? They say they want this. But then they send out a press release saying 720,000 people watch Lego Masters. And then, or, or, or they did a combined thing Understand. of 1.2 or a peak audience of 1.6. Don't million. get me started on peak so, audience. Ugh. Yeah, I know. It's just, but, but, but I do ignore peak audiences. But, but they're saying this is what we want, but then send out a press release. Hmm. With the so opposite. I'm saying, so what uh, I'm do saying then want? it's our job, if we are playing by their rules with demos, you ignore the total people press releases. We, I say do both. We start to have some problems because I, I appreciate the challenge, Rob. How, how do we do it? How do we hold them to account based on them keep telling us that, you know, oh, but no, no, we care about the demos. And look, nine and seven care about all the demos. They don't just care about one of them. Um, and to, to say if, for example, we focused on 25 to 54s straight away, we, we can't talk about 10 because they don't care about it. And how do you then compare Demo A to Demo B. You really can't. They're different things. Um, yeah, but are 10 succeeding in their demo? We if can't they're the tell. under 50s. We honestly well, we can't can tell. because we get, we get the under 50s reports from We get the under 10. 50s reports from 10. That's like saying, hey, my show's the figures. number one show in the world, according to me. <laughs> like, you can't come at me when you have an industry standard <laughs> but system. But no, no, they're not manipulating figures. They're running the reports. I, I think there's I think there's a point where if they were manipulating figures, it would be called out pretty quickly. I, and I'm I not trust suggesting them. they're manipulating them, Rob. What I'm saying is they have a system that gives us the ratings and there's no agreed under 50s demo. Get Oztam to publish an under 50s demo and they are, they have a seat on the board to make that change. Make the I change. understand that. I completely understand. But the fact is we still get the information. So we still do Only know. Only from them. Yes, but and, it's still and hang the on, report and it's still often factual. use prime time as 6 to 10.30. You have to really look through the report sometimes, whereas 9 and, nine and 7 use 
you know, 6 p.m. to midnight. Yeah, so, well, that I call BS on because uh, uh, that's not a standard go, measurement. All of the exclusions. Yeah, but I'm Judge Rob and what my ruling says goes. Oh, okay. Then. Well, thanks very much for joining us on TV Black Box. It's been fun. Good night. Um, <laughs> Trial by Rob. The, the, the difficulty is that that I'm happy to talk about demos and look in the States when you read and they are lengthy. The, the daily ratings reports on what's going on over there, they talk demos all of the time, but they also talk total people. So they are long conversations, long articles about who's doing what and who did what and who picked up what, and they follow up on, like, it's it's the real industry stuff leans into talking about, you know, when they add in the, the catch-up and the BVOD and all of that, we don't care. Like, it's there, but the PI Jedis and, and the sales teams who are doing two different things for two different reasons use those numbers to, do, to, to spin it to say what they need to say. I'm not saying that they're making it up. I'm not saying they're fabricating things. They're, they're doing their jobs, and that is particularly for the PR Jedis, to make us believe that their show is the best thing in the world because that's what they're employed to do. If they yeah. need to, to spin it so that primetime is all of a sudden 6 o'clock till 6.49, congratulations. But, you know, <laughs> all of the delimiters, you have to read the fine print on every release when they're talking about whatever. The only consistent, regular, approved, agreed data format is what comes out of Oztam. And while Oztam give us total people, 25 to 54, 16 to 39s, and shopper with child, that is all we can, that is all we can lean on. It is great that 10 give us their version. Uh, you know, they've sliced and diced the numbers. Together. That's phenomenal. There's no way that I can accurately measure that. I just have to trust them. And if I just have to trust them, then I just have to trust everybody when they give me their asterisks and hashtags and all of the bits that give them mm. their excuses as to why things are number one. All of a sudden, everything's I, I don't agree one. with that last point, but I do agree with the fact that if 10 serious about under 50s, they should make it um, and ask for it to be part of the official Oztam daily releases. I think that's a fair point. All right, now it's time for Hatches and Dispatches with Sarah. Thanks, Rob. Network 10's hit show, The Secret She Keeps, has been renewed for a second season. The psychological thriller, which premiered last year, will commence production in late 2021, supported by Screen Australia. After an investigation was launched into the ethical undertakings in the famous 1995 Panorama Princess Diana interview, journalist Martin Bashir has left the BBC. Staff have been told his departure is a result of health issues. Louise Smith has been appointed as an executive producer for Australian drama, entertainment and Indigenous content at the ABC. Her previous works include The Square, The Rage in Placid Lake and Dance Academy the Movie. SBS has announced Natalie Edgar as channel manager of SBS and SBS Viceland, overseeing the programming and developing scheduling strategies. She comes from the ABC, where she held this very role since 2016. All Northern New South Wales staff at Wynn will have a new manager to report to with the appointment of Ashley Myatt as Regional Sales Manager. He has worked in media sales for 27 years and will commence the role in May. And that is this week's Hatches and Dispatches. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewellery from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. 
For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Well, it was the interview we were all waiting for. Craig McLaughlin's tell-all on 7 News Spotlight on Sunday night. But if Craig McLaughlin was hoping his tell-all special would fix his brand, it didn't seem to work, judging by social media reaction. Many thought 7 shouldn't even have aired the special, and others were critical of McLaughlin playing the victim. But it was also the media which came under the spotlight for the way the original interviews were conducted with the women making the allegations. Rod, what did you think of the special? Look, I watched it and I thought, oh, yeah, I felt uncomfortable watching it. I, for a start, thought it was way overproduced, felt like a bad pantomime. This is no criticism of Craig McLaughlin himself. To me, okay, guy's been proven innocent. Um, I think we've got to give him the benefit of the doubt. I do feel for him and his partner. Um, but to me, it was just the way, from a production point of view, it was it was just too much fluff. Like, really? If you if you if you um, I, I was thinking of the old TV series Dragnet, which most of you probably wouldn't remember, Joe Friday. And his line was, just give me the f- facts, ma'am. <laughs> um, I just I just wanted the facts. I didn't want to see him playing guitar and sitting on his, the log. Okay, some of it would have been all right, but I just found, I, I just wanted to know all the facts about it, the, the story. I didn't need to have all the production around it. Um, but I think, I, I feel for the guy. Um, now, I'm, there's probably people going to be screaming at me saying that, but if, if he's been proven innocent, you know, let's let's give him a, a chance to resurrect his brand. Um, and the whole accusation, right from the start, I thought, well, it happened in the context of working on the Rocky Horror Show, which is a very sexualised show anyway. Now, if he'd been working on a production of the Lion, Disney's Lion King or something like that and it had the allegations against him, uh, it might have changed my mind, but I thought, wow. But the, the, There the, was also the Blake Mysteries. Yeah, it wasn't just the Rocky Horror Picture Show, but to be honest, I don't think on this, guys... I don't think on this we need to go into the allegations and determine whether we think he's guilty or not. A court of law has found him not guilty. Correct. But I think there are issues in this special. I, with respect, disagree. I thought it was a really well-produced special, Rod. Yeah. I thought it took me on a journey. But McLaughlin came across as a narcissist to me. He couldn't see the other side of the story. He, he thought it outrageous that he dared be questioned and charged. You know, this is our court of law. Someone makes an allegation. The police determine whether there's enough grounds to be charged and take it to court. Ultimately, he won. So it's a victory for him. But this is our system of law. People are entitled to their day in court. I desperately tried to watch it, um, but even with a VPN, I couldn't. And, like, we spent, like, an hour setting up a VPN and I couldn't watch it. So I spent the day trolling Twitter and all the different websites <laughs> to get everyone's analysis of the interview. And um, it was funny because Mamma Mia actually had a really good breakdown of it. And it was, like, you know, talking about, like, you know, we opened with a shot of, you know, them playing the piano and mm. then there's him singing a song bad-mouthing the people who, you know who had come out against him while they're doing the interview. And she's like, it took me a second to realize that he was singing a song, dissing the women. And they thought it was just terrible. And on Twitter, it was everyone who was defending him were almost like bot accounts or people who'd opened accounts that were only defending rapists and pedophiles. And pretty much every woman was reposting the stuff that the judge had said about, you know, this was because of, 
the current laws or the laws back in the day, but under current laws, it may have become differently. So it seemed like there really was yeah, a big may divide. Have. Doesn't necessarily mean he would right. have been found Correct. guilty, but there were different laws at the time. And there's also um, the witnesses were found to be very credible and brave for coming forward, but it doesn't necessarily mean he would have been found guilty under the new laws. She just made the point that she had to do her ruling under laws from under 2014. Those laws. And I get that because that was what happened in our court case. We were under old laws versus new laws. But the general consensus seemed to be women all hated it and men were kind of okay with it. What I'd be interested in, the the little bits of where, to me, it was um, the the ABC producer basically feeding the witness, uh, what was everyone's take on that? I thought it was outrageous. It was absolutely unjournalistic. But you fed people things to say in their ear as a producer. And even on a current affair, it's like I would say something and they'd be like, we probably can't say it that way. Correct. um, Because that would be defamation. Correct. But here's a different way that we could say what you just said. And then when Channel 7 is taking this, they're showing you a snippet and maybe they've taken out the bit where they've said, we can't say it this way. And they're just showing you the bit that says, say it like this. Sarah, I've... I've watched a lot of camera tapes from 60 Minutes, A Current Affair, Today, Tonight, and, you know, you've been in the position, but I've never seen any interview where where talent has been coached specifically. I accept what you're saying. Yours was a very legally challenged story, and so was theirs, and so they would have absolutely had to be careful about defamation. But those conversations were not about defamation. Those conversations, those um, telling the producer, telling the talent what to say, was literally telling the talent what to say, not for defamation, but to get the grabs that they wanted. How do we when know you that? were interviewed, and please correct me if I'm wrong, um, yes, they would have said, you can't say that for defamation. This could be another way of saying it. But they weren't specifically saying, say, da-da-da-da-da-da. And what I saw in those snippets, and yes, they are just snippets, but I've spoken to people who've seen the whole tapes, who've worked in current affairs for a long time, and I asked the question. I said, have you ever seen anything like this? And they were like, Absolutely not. It is outrageous what took part during those interviews. This is nothing against the women. I need to be really clear on that. They were there telling their story and fair enough. This comes down to basic producing and journalism. If you need a answer out of a person, you ask the right questions. If you don't get what you want, you ask again. You do not literally tell them what to say. Not when you are the 7.30 report and the Sydney Morning Herald. Now, I read, though, that even though the producer had said, I want you to say, like, that he's a huge talent, whatever, and then they said that the women answered, but in their own words. So, you know, maybe, like, you know, before the interview, they were like, don't forget to say this you know, or remind me to say this, you know, because in the heat of the interview, I will forget. And so maybe they said, hey, don't forget to say, you know, this. And then that that triggered. It wasn't don't forget to say this. It was giving them full sentences. And I will say at one point, the journalist stepped in and said, I don't think we should be putting words in their mouths. And that's exactly what was happening. Exactly. Well, that's the way it came across. But also in a similar vein, the fact that the producer, was it the producer who was saying, we want him out of this job? That was allegedly um, the journalist from the Sydney Morning Herald who made that comment. They weren't identified. 
We yeah. don't know. Well, that's that, that. Well, that's what left me thinking. Well, who is that? That is the producer, or who, who's who's lines no, are? No, it was, was the SMH journalist, yeah. and I do feel I'm not going to name that person in case I've got it wrong. I think they made it pretty. We obvious. don't know. They weren't identified. This is the challenge. Mate, they put up a picture of a journalist while Mate, the quote was said. They put up a blurred picture of a journalist. They put up a blurred picture of people and said it was producer. It was journalists saying this stuff and use subtitles. We don't know. Nobody in this conversation has seen those tapes. Now, if they are as horrible as it was suggested in the show that we saw, then that will come out in the defamation case absolutely. Absolutely, which is yep. why we have to be really cautious about what happens in that regard. Um, the challenge is we saw across the 90 minutes, maybe 45 seconds, maybe a minute of those tapes. I don't care if it was three seconds. It was outrageous. Edited very selectively to underscore their point. It was a highly produced special that absolutely was designed to support Craig, not detract from Craig, independent of what I, Craig I, did. I, I reject that. I think this special was an interview that they got where anyone would have wanted this interview. He got asked hard questions. And I'm not a Craig McLaughlin supporter, by the way. I need to be categorically clear about this. I am. I thought that it was a good special. I don't, and I've said this from the beginning, Mark, I don't think he came off looking no, innocent or... or good out of this. I don't think this was good for him at all. So the points I'm making are literally about problematic things I saw and the journalist's questions to those women was absolutely terrible. The women did nothing wrong here. My question is, if he doesn't if he doesn't like the way he was portrayed in this interview, is he then going to turn around and sue them for defamation? Because he'll be like, you said this was going to be redeeming for me and I turned out looking like no, a jerk. No, that's not a thing. They're all his words. He's got no case All of there. his that's public response thing. to the, the special was that he thinks it was great. He thought it, it allowed him to share his side of the story, to share the challenges that he's faced um, uh, and that he's getting on with his life now slowly, but that that's he's finally turned the corner. He was in a dark place, but he's getting better. Um it, it was not a balanced piece in any regard. It was all about McLaughlin. Um, there was no opportunity for anybody who spoke against him to suggest that anything was – it was all taken from camera tapes or other places. There was no rebuttal. There was no opportunity. Now, if you want to present a balanced piece, that has to be in it. This wasn't a Hang balanced on. piece. Did the original reports present a balanced piece? No, they presented the allegations, which is completely fair enough, sure. by the way, completely fair enough. But this was a piece that was his truth. Sure, I'm saying Whether it wasn't a balanced piece. Whether you believe him or not was a... <sighs> But he was asked tough questions. It was balanced. He was. It wasn't just a, a pony ride. He was asked tough questions during the interview. He made some very serious claims that, uh, uh, you know, in defence of himself, that as an innocent man he can make those statements. There was no opportunity to rebut them. He just said, "Oh, but he was absolutely ill-advised to reenact." the kiss that formed one of the complaints made against him with his partner. Now, first of all, it just didn't look metronome. great. It did not look great. The second part of it was that there is no way we can judge him on his reenactment of that kiss because that's not the kiss that we're judging him on. It was a ludicrous idea and it only made him look creepy. I, I totally agree. I, I just thought that was cringy the way they did that. It, oof, anyway. My thing is, like, having gone through all of these interviews and you know if Robert had been found not guilty versus being found guilty and then it was my turn to have the interview 
whether we think Craig did it or not, he was found not guilty. And therefore, I think that he is allowed to have his say and go on TV. And if he makes himself look like a dick or make himself look more guilty, then that's on him. And so they gave him his own, here's your moment to have your say now that you've been found not guilty. And they gave it to him and how he did that and whether he came off as good or bad is up to him. And the women will still have, well, probably not in Australia because you have shitty laws. <laughs> um, they probably won't until they come out again. Um, but like, cause I'm always confused, right? Like, because in Australia, if, if you are alleged to have done something, if somebody accuses you of something and the news media reports on that accusation in Australia, you can sue the news because they reported on the allegations. Well, that's that's what we're really going to see. If you make allegations against someone, you need to absolutely have proof that it's true. Otherwise, you can be sued for defamation in this country because truth yeah. is a defence. So if you can prove... If, if Nine and the ABC can do what a court of law couldn't and prove he was guilty, they will win the defamation case. And I get that as a person, like, I was not the first person to name Robert. We let someone else do it. It went through the media. It was like 18 other girls came forward before he yeah. was named. but uh, And we just said a person because it wasn't meant to be about Robert. It was just this is the industry. Mm. But mm. then yeah. I don't understand how if a newspaper reports on those allegations and says, you know, this person has gone to the police and they've made a complaint against this person, how does the newspaper or the TV show get sued for defamation when they are reporting on the allegations. No, if, if police press charges, you are absolutely allowed to report on that. The problematic thing for journalists is when you're breaking the story and there's been Ahead no police complaint. It's yeah. very messy and we will obviously see what happens in the defamation case. A very big issue. But let's move on and end the episode with something much lighter and look at what everyone's been watching this week on the TV Binge Box. Uh, quickly, guys, we are running out of time. Sarah, what have you been watching? Okay, because I told you last week, Big Brother, Derek, the legends, the new Legends of Monkey, which the first two episodes I fucking hated, but by the third episode I'm in and we're up to the second series now and I was very, uh, I was like, where are the Asians? Why are there no Asians? It's an Asian show. It's Journey to the West. Um, but now I've just kind of moved on because um, the lead guy's really good looking and whatever. Um, and then um, I we watched an episode of Why You Like This, um, but it's really hard to watch anything with my in-laws because they're like toddlers. And then once they go to bed, we watch The Handmaid's Tale. Ah, Aaron? Uh, just a little bit. Big Brother, of course, Intruder Week. Um, it feels so late bringing in the intruders in, but, uh, you know, they've been in the house for a month, but still loving it. Upfronts in the US, you know, where they had the decisions on whether shows get renewed or cancelled. So a couple of my shows that I watched got cancelled. Um, the Aaron Brockovich-inspired series Rebel and Prodigal Son, so they're gone. And I previewed the first episode of Celebrity Apprentice. I can't even guess. I, you know, normally I love guessing ratings. I just... I don't know if it's if it's so mainstream like like something like Lego Masters or Big Brother, but I love the Alan Sugar bits in there, like in the boardroom scenes at the end. I'm just going to watch every episode and fast forward to the end. They're they're, they're awesome, but um, yeah, not not a bad series. So that's yeah. I took a look at uh, Celebrity Apprentice as well. I don't think it's a mega hit, but it's enjoyable, mm. and it was. 
better than I thought it would be. Alan Sugar, you can see why he's been the guy in the UK. He is brilliant. He's funny, he's tough, and he brings a lot. Um, the standouts for me are the Veronicas. The the way they treat each other is shocking. <laughs> you know, like the the honesty. The, it's just brutal honesty between the twins. Um, but they have real shining moments when they're working together as well. There's there's some heart in it. There, it's interesting. Not mega hit. Uh, but I've also been watching Big Bang Theory and Shadow and Bone. Uh, I love Big Bang Theory. It's just something I can watch in five-minute spurts. But Shadow and Bone on Netflix is actually my new um, go-to show. Uh, I'm really enjoying that. Rod, what about you? Well, I talk about shows that you love watching over and over. I'm still watching reruns of Below Deck, all of them sailing, <laughs> Mediterranean, and very excited that they have confirmed that uh, Below Deck Down Under is about to go into production. I think it's actually in production now. But as something different, um, I started binge-watching The One, and I think some of you guys have, have watched that, haven't you, on uh, Netflix? Really good premise. Scripts are undone, a bit underdone. Performances, yeah, but interesting premise. Okay. Mulkey. Uh, I am deep in uh, Love on the Spectrum Season 2, which starts tonight on the ABC. Um, loving it, sick. I've already seen the whole season and it's delightful. Deep, deep in the Mayor of Easttown on uh, Fox Showcase. That is phenomenal drama with Kate Winslet. Uh, the Handmaid's Tale is brilliant. I'm so glad it's back. Really enjoying RuPaul's Drag Race Down Under. I just think it's excellent. Um, Patriot Brains on Tuesday night. I'm loving. It is phenomenal, hilarious television, and I am not smart enough for the girlfriend experience uh, the latest season on Stan. <laughs> Thank you very much. And don't forget, for more TV reviews, just keep an eye out for the TV Binge Box podcast, the full show with Mulk, Brookie, Joe and Dan every week, every Monday in your podcast feed. All right, that brings us to the end of TV Black Box. For more news, go to tvblackbox.com.au. Don't forget, the newsletter comes out pretty much every day. You can subscribe by going to tvblackbox.com.au slash newsletter, where you get a little bit more than the headlines. You get opinions too, and we hope you can subscribe to that one. In the meantime, thank you, Mog. Thank you, Rod. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you, Aaron. We'll see you next week. Thank you, Cheers, everyone. Laters. 